following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. We looked at the movie Saved, and this was a challenge. Let me tell you, this was a real challenge to take a look at this movie and then come up with a, a, a good, honest presentation for you. Uh, first of all, it's a girl teen movie. All right, so right from the start, I don't want to watch this thing. I waited till last second, but I had to see it. Watched it five times, and then I just had to get out of the house and clear my mind. Um, and it's the most offensive movie you've ever seen. If you love Jesus, I mean, if you really love Jesus and you love everything about him, then this movie will royally offend you. I mean, you will be ticked off, smoke coming out of your ears. You will hate this movie. But I think eventually it will just break your heart. You'll just be heartbroken and sad. First of all, that the church has become that way in certain parts of the country and the world and other places. Definitely not here. This is a perfect place. But uh, in other churches and other Christians, of course, then uh, it's, it's sad that it's become that way. And, um, and, it, and it's sad that we have absolutely, in many ways, ruined uh, the reputation of Jesus and uh, been a horrible, horrible example of faith. And so it, it, it breaks your heart. It's, it's a uh, controversial movie. It's a satire meant to correct the evils of the church. The, the movie was co-written by Brian uh, Donnelly and Michael Urban. And Donnelly directed the film, and he said, and I quote, the film was based on, quote, my experiences of life which I saw, heard, or read about. So it's from his life, the experiences of his life, and clearly he has been greatly wounded and offended and hurt by the church and by Christians. And so the movie is a response to that. It's a reaction to how he feels. If you want to know how your neighbors feel about you, people that live in your neighborhood, you want to know what they think of you and of Christians then this would be a good movie to watch because it'll definitely show you how they feel about you. But I don't necessarily recommend it. I mean, it's a vile movie. So it has a PG-13 rating. I thought it would have been R. Uh, so go to kidsinmind.com, kidsinmind.com, and they'll show you everything about the movie. And then you can kind of look at their recommendation as to whether or not you should see the film. And so I'll just leave that up to you as to whether or not you want to see it. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. So you have a Bible, you might want to grab it and see if you can find 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. We're going to look at five verses in 1 Corinthians 9 through 13. Chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. Where Paul is correcting this uh, belief that Christians should... Stay away from wicked people. Just, I mean, don't hang out with, don't be around, don't get near sinful, awful, immoral, wicked people, right? Isn't that what we should do? Christians should stay away from them. 
Don't associate with them. I mean, some, some people and some things in the world just really turn your stomach and how sinful and wicked they are. Stay away from them. So Paul is addressing that belief in 1 Corinthians 5. This film, uh, it's, it's actually a comedy, which I thought was interesting because I didn't laugh once. But the film exposes three, I think, among other things, but three of the church's greatest failures of the 21st century. And that is the church's failure to address appropriately and effectively sex. Like a lot of churches have ignored the topic of sex, and some have tried to do it, and they're doing it poorly and inappropriately, but not helpful. And so this whole, the authority on sex has been removed from the church. The church has completely failed on this topic. From the rest of everybody else's point of view, the church has nothing valid to say on the subject. The other one is abortion, and the third one is homosexuality. I I believe these are three intensely complex issues and the church has absolutely failed on all three of them not have any idea how to address those how to respond to those and if we can't figure this out it will continue to get worse for the church the church must get before god and figure out his heartbeat on these three topics A few other things are exposed, the weakness and ineffectiveness of the church to rid the world of addiction and sickness, and the corruption within the church and the sins within the church. All of these are exposed in the film. And so after I have thoroughly criticized it, (laughs) let me show you the first clip. Jesus to restore my emotional and spiritual virginity in exchange for curing Dean, I started my senior year with all of that behind me. (sighs) Sam Fan is amazing. (laughs) Okay. It's official. The Christian jewels, I bought one for everybody. Pin it on, I want to see it. Ow. Terrific birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Rollins. How was your summer? What? Your summer? How was it? Oh, I uh, went rollerblading, water skiing, learned to kickbox, you know, the usual. Rollin, why do you have to make people feel so awkward about your differently abledness? I'm sorry, Mary. I really don't know what's gotten into Here's the latest from Godflight. Oh, I love these guys. They are totally Jesus centric. And gorgeous. <laughs> Veronica was adopted by her parents when they were missionaries in Vietnam. Hilary Faye sees her as an example of God's will triumphing over a savage, godless nation. So, what do you think of the new ride? Oh, you're so lucky, Hilary Faye. Yeah, I could have had a Lexus Gold Edition, you know. Wow. Roland is blessed with such a thoughtful sister. In countries like China, Hillary Faye probably would have been killed at birth. Yeah. And then where would you be, Roland? 
China. Okay, so we get to see that uh, Christians are shallow and that we have this exclusive club that we're a part of. And if you want to be a part of our club, you got to be like us, think like us, act like us. And uh, we have this, this great superior attitude that we are the best in the world. You hear about the comment about the, the other people in the rest of the world. We're better than everyone else. And so we look down on all of them. They are sinners. They are less than. They are not as good as us. We are the greatest people on the earth. After all, we are God's people. And so we are just celebrating our greatness in the world. All the while, surrounded by people with great needs and ignoring those needs. Now, some things in life are indefensible. You cannot defend them. And self-righteousness is one of those things. Wherever there is self-righteousness, there is no excuse. And the interesting thing about self-righteousness is nobody's guilty of it. This past, uh, this past week, I wasn't here last Sunday because I was with Gary Emery, who's the head of our whole region, you know, from, from Alaska down to Mexico. And uh, we went up there to close Harbor Light Church. We've been, our staff and some of our leaders, have been working up there with that church for about 90 days. And at the end of that, we, d- we just came to the conclusion there was no love there. There's just no love there, no love to be found and, and so when there's no love, a church loses its right to exist. And so uh, Gary was there. And I'm sitting in the front row and I'm listening to him talk about the reasons why the church is being closed. And the, what struck me is that not a single person there, no one, came up to me and said, I am so sorry how we treated you how we were so rotten and mean to you and your staff and your church. And, and, and I'm just so sorry. Please forgive me. Not one single person took responsibility for that church being closed, for the attitudes that were there. It's always somebody else. In fact, just the opposite. Person after person came up to me and said, I cannot believe the wicked people that are in this church. And that's how it works. Self-righteous is always somebody else that has that. It's always like that, but it's never me. It's never me. When self-righteousness gets into a church, this is what it looks like. We become more concerned about ourselves and meeting our own needs and getting what we want as Christians and being fed than we do about the needs of anyone else. We care more about what's happening in here on Sunday morning than what happens out there the rest of the week. The focus becomes inward. And when a church's focus becomes inward, it begins its decline and eventually its closure because there's no reason for a church to exist if it's not a light in the city. It has no business being open. 
the focus becomes inward. More concerned about our religious activities than we are about our community. More concerned about the things we do as a church than how much we love our city. Focus becomes on the building and all of our programs and all we care about are the things that we have here. We put all of our resources and all of our money into stuff, into the building. We make it nicer and nicer and nicer and nicer for us. We make sure we give ourselves the best. Our leaders are then judged by how spiritual they are, not by how much they love. You know, how much they, how gifted they are, how talented they are, how sharp they are, how well they speak or what they know and how they can pray and how they can, they can uh, understand the Bible. And they, they're so in tune with, with God, but have no love. We don't care about that. It's more about their spirituality. It's, it's morality without love. And every church will eventually become this if it is not focused on the mission for which Christ said every church should be focused on. And that mission is to take his love, to serve the community with his love. So that you demonstrate the love of Christ. Show the community that Christ loves them. That's the purpose of the church. And so if we don't keep trying to find ways to reach out to our community with love, then we will become that same self-righteous church. This movie is a painful yet powerful warning, I believe, to all Christians. The second clip is uh, their first chapel scene of the year. The school, uh, school year is beginning, and this is their first chapel uh, seen chapel service, and so here it is. on. Let's kick it Jesus style. Y'all want to walk with the ultimate rebel, right? The ultimate CEO, biggest celebrity of them all. Who's down with G.O.D.? school year here in American Eagles Christian High. I know I'm not supposed to ask for specifics, Lord, like when I prayed for an expensive car and got the handicapper van instead, but I want this to be the best year ever. And between you and me, I think you'll agree I totally deserve it. Thank you for sparing me from the eternal hellfires of damnation. I'm sorry I let that promise maker guy touch me in the rectory. Daddy still hasn't stopped drinking, but I know you're working on it. 
I really want to be a jewel. I wonder if Roller Boy's paralyzed everywhere below the waist. Oh, yeah. She digs me. Please, Jesus, don't let Dad humiliate me. Those Jesus freaks are on to something. Especially in front of her. Uh, about Dean and I? I thought we had a deal. Why is he at Mercy House? You did restore me, right? Keep our president safe. Amen. Now, who wants to come down here and give their heart to the Lord? Who wants to start the year off right and get saved? A lot of temptations over the summer. I bet some of you folks backslid just a little. Who wants to recommit themselves to the Lord? There we go. All right. All right. Basically. Fantastic. Praise you. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. There you go. Fantastic. All right. Take my pain and set me free. That I will stand and shout my Jesus is the ultimate celebrity. Really? Shouting G-O-D is about as D-U-M-B as I can think of. <laughs> Say that Christians are fake. That's the point here. They're fake. They're insincere. Their whole religion is based upon emotion and feeling and hype. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know what is ridiculous I mean, it would be a miracle if I came in and did a flip. <laughs> Trevor could do a flip, not me. Uh, the pastor, his name is Chip. He's cool. He's like a rock star. He actually has an affair in the movie. Um, and churches that have altar calls do it for a show. It's all a show to make everything hyped up and cool. Uh, there's actually a scene following this. We edited it out because I felt like if we showed it in our church... The ceiling might fall in, but uh, it's this mockery of uh, speaking in tongues and making fun of people that do. And um, it's the, the, the director of the film is actually Catholic, and he attended a Baptist high school, and yet this looks very charismatic to me. But uh, anyway, I, I, I think I've come up with a solution on how to get messed up people out of the church. Because clearly that's the church's problem. There's an image problem, right? I mean, there's an image problem of all these really, you know, weird people representing Christ. And so I've got the perfect solution. I know how we can eliminate that. The reputation of Christ and the church would be awesome. And that is just limit who can be a part of the church. You know, make sure that you can, that nobody can go to the church unless you're just like Jesus. So that's the standard because Jesus is awesome. We all love Jesus. So just make sure that the only people that go to church are people who are just like Jesus. People that are holy, yet very approachable. People that are powerful, yet very humble. People that are kind and welcoming. That's just just those kind of people. So for our church, I I would be disqualified. And I know most of you. So we'd be just, just Doug and Pat White would be the only person, people, two people in this church. Canyon Ridge of Doug and Pat White. 
And all the churches in the world would be really small, you know, two or three people that are more like Jesus than anybody else, and you would have no more problems of people like this. The problem with our church is we think the church should be open to anyone. And so right away, you have all kinds of weirdos showing up if you open the door to everyone. Um, And all kinds of problems come because we actually believe at our church that you can belong before you become like Jesus. And so that's, see, that's a big problem for us. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to smear their reputation because anyone can come in and, and worship Christ and can then come in and say they're a follower of Christ uh, because we don't believe you have to get all the little quirks about you and, you know, uh, whether or not you think you have them, but uh, all the little, you know, idiosyncrasies and dysfunctions that you, you, you came up, you know, you, you happen to get into your life all these years and then, you know, you come to faith, you bring all that with you. And so we're making a big mistake by opening the doors to everyone, letting anyone in here who wants to come in and pursue faith. But... Hey, that's, that's, I guess, the risk that we're going to take. Every organization on the planet has rules. You know, they have a set of requirements that have to be, be, be made before you can join. Even the very least, you know, like if you want to become a, a believer, you have to give your email address and your name, you know. You, get, you guys even know what that is? I mean, that's Justin Bieber's fan club. To join that, you have to get, we don't even make you give your name and, and your, your email address. We ask you if you are willing to, but we don't make it. But um, other clubs, you pay a fee. You got to be a certain way. You got to believe a certain thing. Here, we actually think that it's okay that you don't believe the way we do. And in fact, on any given Sunday, you may be sitting next to a sinner. So if you're afraid now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you look around, you might see a sinner in here sitting by you because we think that Jesus says the church should be open to everyone. But when you do that, then you open up to all kinds of problems. Some churches think that you need to be just like them to become a part of them. And I actually heard someone say that to me last week. <laughs> Not here, you know, up towards Bellingham there, that area. But I heard a person say to me that our community is welcome to come here as long as they're willing to put away all of their sinfulness. Just be like us and you're welcome. We welcome everybody that's willing to be good. Some Christians have this deep, dark fear that we're not doing our job unless we're confronting everybody on their sin. You know, always telling them, hey, you are wicked. You need to get right. And... So I know in the Bible there's this chapter that talks about love. It's all about love. And extra- Where's the chapter on how to judge everybody around you? God was really concerned that we would be loving. Yes, that's very clear. 
He wants the church to be loving. If he was equally concerned about our ability to correctly judge people's sins, wouldn't there be a chapter on that? I don't know. You'll have to think about that. The problem is the church has failed so miserably on confronting people and literally has no idea how to do it. This final clip exposes, I think, another one of the weaknesses of the church. And, uh, you know, of all the movies that we've shown you, it's been challenging to edit them so that, you know, we could show them to you. But this one was the most difficult of all the movies. It was most of the movie we could not show to you. So uh, here's a clip. You guys are so sweet. You know what? We need to... um, We need to take a moment and think about those people who aren't as fortunate to have the body of Christ in their life right now. So let's, let's pray for Mary. Lucky for me, at our school, teen pregnancy was about as common as the flesh-eating virus. No one really seemed to catch on. All right, students, open your Except Cassandra. We're going to continue with the Beatitudes. Mary, can I have a bathroom pass, please? Sure. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Doesn't bother you to have people smoking around you? It's so bad for the baby. I'm not pregnant. Okay? So what's your plan? It's too late for the big A. You look like a smuggler. I know somewhere where you could sell it. I'm not gonna sell my... It's Dean's, isn't it? You can't do this on your own. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I thought I was helping him. I thought it was what Jesus wanted me to do. The movie is trying to communicate that people are just trying to find love and happiness in life. And I think that's true. I think most people are just trying to get through life and find love and happiness. Their conclusion is that you won't find that with God and especially with Christians. Love, kindness, and forgiveness is to be found outside the church and apart from Christians. Now, maybe that's shocking to you, but that is a common belief in our culture today. And I have been a part, I have, I have, I have felt people's criticism myself from within the church. And so I get it. I understand. I know how people could feel that way. 
in this movie, the one person that shows love and kindness and compassion is the atheist. So all the Christians are jerks and mean and hypocrites and horrible. And the atheist is the one who is kind and loving and compassionate. And, of course, that's the message that they're trying to get out to us. Now, 1 Corinthians 5, I told you I was going to get to this. Um, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And Paul traveled around and planted a whole bunch of churches. And this is one that he planted in Corinth. And I think it's safe to say probably this was his worst church. The one that this movie really embodied the Corinthian church. I mean, if, if there was a church that was messed up, it would be, be this one. And uh, they, they had a, a pro, all kinds of problems. But one of the problems they had, and he talks about it in chapter 5, the first eight verses. If you read that, you'll see they're talking about how the church is, has failed to address this issue of immorality within the church. And so um, Paul's talking about that. And so he's clarifying this, this belief that, that we should be holy and separate from the world, separating ourselves from them, not associating with them because they're sinful. In verse 9, he says, what I wrote, When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It is not my responsibility to judge outsiders. Those people outside the church, non-Christians... It is not my responsibility to judge them. But it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. They're his responsibility. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So he's not saying that anyone who is in the church can't sin. Because then, if that were the case, there would be nobody in the church, right? Because we are all sinful people. He's saying, Christians, you call yourself a Christian, and yet you deny Christ. You reject Christ. You openly and blatantly throw it in his face. So you're sinning, and you're throwing it in God's face and saying, up yours, I don't care. That kind of person who calls himself a Christian should not be allowed to continue with that kind of attitude and that kind of behavior. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you are not to hold our standard of morality to people who don't even believe that. Though God tells us to be moral and live pure lives, but we don't take that same, same standard and put it on to the, to the rest of the world and make them live up to it. That is not our responsibility. 
And we are not to be judging them, saying those kind of things, being judgmental with our words, our thoughts, our feelings, or our actions. And it's easy to do. Right? It's easy to do. I, I really despise the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe I shouldn't. I guess it's okay because it's football. But we can have these attitudes because people do things that are offensive and gross and we don't like it. But it is not our place to judge them. God reserves that for himself. Our job is to demonstrate the love of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, when it comes to those inside the church house, well, then we gotta, we got to show some accountability to each other and spur one another on to living and obeying God, right? Obeying the Lord and living the way He wants us to. But that is not a standard we hold on everyone else. Something we just hold on ourselves. But people have misunderstood this. And they think it's their job to go out and police the world. And so how does the world respond to that? You hate us. You hate us. You're mean. You're not accepting. A a missionary said to me a few weeks ago, he said, you know, we just need to get rid of all the people with earrings in their nose, tattoos, and that wear hats in church. If we just did that, we would really clean up the church. And, you know, talk about offensive. That was offensive to me. I mean, we'd have to get rid of staff members if that was the case. We can't right every wrong in the world. All right? We can't go around changing the reputation of the church overnight. What we can do is we can make sure that our church demonstrates the love of Christ. We can make sure that we are a place that is open to everyone who wants to come and explore faith on their own pace. To to become a part of this church before they even believe. That it's okay to be yourself. And it means all of your stuff. Bring it with you. That Jesus actually loves all kinds of people. We can start with us. And maybe we can change people's minds, their opinions of God and the church, one person at a time. As I said earlier, there are some behaviors that are indefensible. And when you see a movie like this, you know, it's so offensive and yet so true. So true. So many churches and Christians have been absolutely cruel. Sex, abortion, homosexuality, these are big issues. These are complex issues. And the church has got to get on its face before God and figure out how to demonstrate the love of Christ in those areas. We are quickly losing our 
voice in the world. Losing our right to say anything about any of those subjects. Because of just a purely hatred, judgmental heart. So let's don't be self-righteous. All right? Let's don't be self-righteous and walk out of here and think, wow, that was, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sure glad the pastor gave it, socked it to these guys. That's a self-righteous attitude. I would hope that your attitude would be different. It would be, oh, God in heaven. Is that me? Am I that way? Do I hate gay people? And if it's you, ask God to reveal his love to you. Ask him to show you how you can demonstrate his love to the world. Because if we don't have love, we have no right to exist as a church. If we aren't actively, continually fulfilling the Great Commission, we have no right to exist. And I don't know about you, I want to be a part of a church where I can be a sinner and still be loved. I don't want to have to be perfect. And I don't want my kids to have to be perfect. I want to be like you, a follower of Christ, finding my way, learning every day to love Jesus more, but not arrived yet. That's the kind of place I want to be a part of. On your connection card, there's a little tear-off piece. And uh, I know this is kind of heavy. I'm kind of stepping on your toes. I'm stepping on my own, too. Uh, But on that tear-off card, there's a little thing there about a gut check. And I really hope that you take this to heart. This movie is a wake-up call for, for the church in America, which is in grave danger. The church in America is dying. Okay? More churches closed than open. Half. Half of our denomination is sick, declining, or plateaued. To have a growing church like ours is absolutely rare. We are so fortunate. It is rare to be a growing church in America. So let's keep it that way. (laughs) Let's keep it that way by a couple things. Do a gut check. Make sure it's not you. You know, just make sure it's not you. And don't wander from the Lord. Don't wander wander off from God and, and, and get to a place where you're, you're, you're living so carnally that there's no difference between you and non-Christians. There should be a difference. Your light should shine for Jesus. And so if you become carnal, you've, been, you've, become, you've accepted a lifestyle of disobedience, turn from that, turn back to the Lord and pursue Him with all of your heart. And then you won't be in danger of becoming that self-righteous person. Self-righteous people are hard-hearted. So let's not lose our first love. And let's stay on the mission. Amen?